0: from the ESPN 690 at Ajar Studios.
1: This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin
2: Lane. God, yeah, it just keeps making plays for us as Agnew. You know, he's been a receiver for a year, and you talk about a workaholic and a grinder. He's little, but he plays bigger than he is. I Made mean, a heck of a play Saturday, Sunday. Uh, and Then you have um, you have Tyron, who's marked and proved. He's a very talented guy, the guy we got from the Chargers. And then you got Devin Smith, and you got um, Treadwell. They're fighting for that last spot. That
1: is Urban Meyer. Now uh, I talk about the receiving core. of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Agnew, Tavon Austin, expect some more out of them. LaVisca Chenault should get the ball more with D.J. Chark out. Uh, we'll see what happens in the passing game of the Jaguars. I think Marvin Jones is going to really have to play big now uh, for the Jags. Brent Martineau here at String Sports Brewery in Springfield. Come on out. Be here until 6. We're here every Thursday, and now Jaguars All-Access is here every Thursday as well. Shaq Griffin will join us. He joins us virtually. Uh, so. Uh, You can come on out, see the show, be live on TV uh, with us, and and Shaq will join us uh, as well each and every week, 7 o'clock on Fox 30, if you don't make it out. But I invite you to come out to Strings, and you get to see a good Thursday night football game as well if you hang around. Uh, Just had the Mahi sandwich. It's fantastic. And obviously, I haven't had the beverages yet, or probably won't, but you can, Uh, certainly. Brent buys a beer today, too. Uh, you better come in and get your beer if I bought you one because you have about 30 days to do it. Moose did it last week. I don't know if anybody else so I have to check the board, see if anybody else has done it. Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz in the Action Sports Jack Studios. All right, Urban Meyer, Jags, a lot of talk there. Uh, Major League Baseball playoffs. How about around the NFL? Who would you buy stock in right now more with the move they made? And and, and keep it in the context. We think Green Bay is better than Carolina but I want to put it in the context of who, which move will help the team more. So Jalen Smith going to Green Bay, Stephon Gilmore going to Carolina, Austin.
3: I mean, I'm taking Stephon to uh, Carolina all day. he's going to be healthy. I mean, this is a guy who grew up around the area, so you get the sense he probably wants to play there. Um, and play with the Carolina Panthers. You know, with Smith, there's still the question mark of can you get the best out of him or have we seen the best out of Jalen Smith? So it's more of a mental thing. Do they have the coaches that, that can pull the best out of Jalen Smith? You get the sense that Stefan Gilmore is a true professional. He's been doing it for a while, coming from the Patriots organization that expects nothing but their best. I think he can go in there and influence a locker room and show how things are done. So I think in the grand scheme of things, it's it's hands down. The Carolina Panthers got the better, the better deal here.
1: Yeah, those are pretty good moves early in the season by both teams. You know, I mean, there's a lot of upside to both those moves. Now, keep in mind, Gilmore won't be around for, what, I think another couple of weeks yeah. uh, when he gets back from that quad injury. But – uh certainly a lot of upside to those kind of moves, and this is really, for a Carolina standpoint, really working out because of two big moves they made. Now, you could include Matt Rule as the first, you know, domino, but I really think two moves that they made in the last couple of years, Joe Brady, and now Casey's guy, Sam Darnold. The commitment to that has kind of well, it's worked so far, Mm -hmm. and Joe Brady looks very good and comfortable and getting the best out of Sam Darnold. I mean, you look at those are the moves I talk about, Austin, when I say, hey, you got to make a, a bold play. Well, you know, listen, investing in Sam Darnold and thinking this guy still has, every not everybody would have done that in the league. Well, uh, and yeah. Joe Brady, I think a lot of people would have wanted. I mean, coming off the LSU and Burrow year and all that stuff, uh, and, and everybody's going with a hot shot young offensive mind. But Sam Darnold, putting your, rolling the dice with him, I think in year three a rule,
3: uh, that was a little bit of a gamble, and it's working out. See, it was a gamble, but at the same time, it wasn't really a gamble because if you're Carolina, you gave up a six-round pick, um, a second-round pick, and a fourth-round pick from the following year then to get Sam Darnold. You're getting a guy that you know, was seeing ghosts, that had mono it was, it was a mess in New York. So you weren't really confident of where Sam Darnold was at. You bring him into a, a new offense, a, a new environment, and he's flourishing. But like where, where Carolina sat in that draft and everything, like there was no guarantee, even if they were going to draft, if they didn't trade up, they were going to get their guy in the first place. So I always felt like Sam Darnold came in as kind of a placeholder uh, just to see you know maybe the next year they can get a quarterback. But they were surprised of how good Sam Darnold's doing, and now he's the guy. Like there, There's not going to be any draft talks next year, I don't think, for the Carolina Panthers getting a quarterback. I think there would have been draft talks if Sam Darnold was just average or below average. That's not the case so far. So I don't want to say they lucked into it because at the end of the day, they did risk it for Sam Darnold. But in terms of what they gave up to, I think, a bridge guy, I think it worked out for him. Casey, you're you're a because you're you're getting an attitude back there, I can tell. (laughs) Well, I was just, you know, bridge guy. Sam Darnold,
0: I I don't know about all that now. But, uh, you know, it's cool. Um, Sam Darnold continuously proving people wrong. Sure. Uh, He'll keep doing it all year, all the way to the MVP. Uh they, they, they definitely got better with these moves and uh you gotta you love to see it if you've been so high on the Panthers like I have.
3: Well and let me be honest though, like as far as the draft talk next at the quarterback position, that's that's not even in the conversation, right? No, sir. I mean from what we've seen so far. No sir. Yeah, no.
0: Absolutely. Sir. You build around Sam Darnold at yeah. this point.
1: Yeah. Hey um And that could really work out for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, We got the injury report for the Jags. Carlos Hyde practiced full today and yesterday. Tyson Campbell limited and limited with a toe last two days. Lorente McCray limited today after not practicing yesterday. Roy Robertson Harris continues to be out. They're getting nothing out of Roy Robertson Harris. And that wasn't a huge investment, but it was one of their first moves they made. They're really getting nothing out of it. How about the injury report for the Tennessee Titans? Did you see how long that thing was?
3: Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: I mean, that, it's like that's like straight Potter out of like,
3: and the Sorcerer's Stone over here.
1: <laughs> I think it's straight out of the Patriots' playbook, you know? I feel like the Patriots used to put, like, Tom Brady on there all the time. He used yeah, to have everybody yeah. on there. And uh, there are, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23 people listed on the injury report for the Titans.
3: Yeah, well, and 11 of those guys practiced. So, you yeah. know, it's. And then Derrick Henry is one of those guys, so thirteen real I guess twelve or thirteen because Derrick Henry obviously needs some rest. Which, but hey, the
1: big rest the big watch up. yeah, the big watch this week is AJ Brown and Julio Jones.
3: Yep, and AJ Brown is practicing full today. Did Julio Jones? Julio Jones did not practice. Of course not. Sorry about that. Condolences. AJ Brown's full.
1: I mean, it's almost Get like they fantasy. put people on there if they had a headache. That's-
3: yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's like a little gamesmanship, but the I think it is. it's a it's definitely a laundry list full of players. And like like I said, I mean, half of those guys on that list practice full today, so let's go ahead and get them off here because they're they're fine. But um, yeah, I think it is a little gamesmanship. I don't know what you get out of it, but okay, we're talking about it. Mission accomplished.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, maybe yeah. they have, they're beat up, and I mean, the bottom line is they're pretty they're pretty beat up at the wide receiver position last week, those guys didn't play. So that was legit.
3: Well, let me ask you this, Brent. Obviously, Carlos Hyde practiced back-to-back full day, so he'll be active and be playing uh, this Sunday. What does the run look like for Carlos Hyde? Are we going to see the rotation with him and James Robinson or based off what we saw in Cincinnati and the groove that James Robinson found himself in against a pretty good Bengals team, do we see a lot more of the lion's share going to James Robinson now, and Carlos Hyde just kind of spells him every once in a while?
1: Yeah, I think it will be mostly James, like 90 to 95%, and I think at least this week they can say, hey, let's make sure that shoulder's good. Let's not uh, do anything we shouldn't be doing and overdo it with you, especially since we got this guy who's... um, playing fantastic so and and by the way i think a little bit of that is they shouldn't have been doing it anyway as much as they probably were although i've said in the past i think that story was a little overdone uh the bottom line is they weren't giving to their running backs enough uh didn't matter who it was they weren't giving it to them early on in the season it seems like they're getting in more of a groove but james robinson you know, I, I think it's a little bit a part of this game. I mean, everybody's talking about Derrick Henry, man. What if James Robinson has a coming-out party in this game at home against the Titans, outperforms Derrick Henry? I'm not saying it puts him on his level, but it would be a big-time moment. And that was after last week we discussed going toe-to-toe with Joe Mixon. Uh, I think everybody gets wrapped up in the quarterback battles, but with this guy in the backfield for the Jags, getting caught up in the running back battle is not a bad thing. Keep an eye on it.
3: No, for sure. I just, I wonder what the game plan of the Jacksonville Jaguars is going to be on offense because you have a Titans defense right now that's obviously been struggling in all assets. But this is a team that you can throw against. And I understand that DJ Chark, you know, is going to be out for a long period of time. Um, I understand, you know, in terms of the tight end position, hopefully Dan Alder can keep on progressing and you have a weapon in the middle. But I just watched a New York Jets team with Zach Wilson kind of throw it all over the field. I, and don't get me wrong, James Robinson should be the primary focus here of this game and of this team. But I wonder if this is the game where Trevor Lawrence breaks out a little bit and says, "Okay, we we have the guys that can beat their defensive backs. Let's try to get in the shootout a little bit." The Tennessee Titans.
1: Yeah, uh, that could be that could be the case. I mean, we've talked about that a little bit. Uh, but James Robinson, I mean, how good is this guy? The Jags have had backs like Fred Taylor and Maurice Jones-Drew in their history. Leonard Fournette had a big year in 2017. Yeah, I don't think we talk about James enough, man. I mean, you've been seeing – I feel like we're seeing a little bit of a maturation from him. Uh, We talked about a little more wiggle and speed from him than last year. His body type looks a little different. I don't know if that's 25 wearing that jersey compared to 30.
3: Mm. Sometimes
1: that does it, you know, to your eyes. Plays 20 games. But, I mean, how good is this guy? Are, Are we talking about the next big running back in Jags history here?
3: I mean, he's well on his way, for sure. You're talking about a guy who rushed over 1,000 yards his rookie year, a guy that should have been a Pro Bowler his rookie year. He's well on his way. I think the only caveat now with James Robinson is the fact that he's not playing on a winning franchise. So from the national narrative, he gets zero respect. A lot of guys don't know who James Robinson is just because he gets lost with behind losses. But I, I think that if you start turning this thing around, you start winning games, I mean, you're going to start winning games because of James Robinson. And he's given us no reason why we shouldn't expect, you know, more progress from his skill set. So yeah, I think James Robinson is gonna be the next great uh Jaguars running back. It just it comes into to mind of how they use him. Because those first couple of games obviously didn't get the, the rocking up, but then also was splitting time with Carlos Hyde. I think eventually you gotta go, this guy is special, we gotta give him the primary share of of the carries and go from there.
1: Uh let me just ask you from a defensive standpoint, why is James Robinson good? Like, what is it, the downhill nature of him? Uh, you know, Leonard Fournette came in with that downhill nature, yet I've never seen a running back in Jags history have so many negative runs or zero-yardage runs than Leonard Fournette. He, 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 net, he didn't always go downhill. Now, he wasn't afraid of contact. He wasn't afraid to run you over. The Pittsburgh thing comes to mind, right? Bring on the challenge. And I like Leonard. I think he had a really good year in 17. I had some other good moments, too. And he was pacing, if he stayed in Jacksonville, to have a very, very nice career here in Jacksonville. And he's just coming off a nice performance Monday night. So this is not a knock on Leonard. But James Robinson doesn't have those negative runs. He seems more decisive to me. He he can kind of find that hole where he makes one shift and gets another three or four yards Uh, he's not as big as Derrick Henry but he seems to fall forward a lot
3: for three or four yards yeah to me like when you look at the running back position of like how it's you know evolved over the past decade or so like to me there's pre-Le'Veon Bell and then there's the post-Le'Veon Bell and like with Le'Veon Bell you know he kind of I mean, I don't give him so much credit here, but he really revolutionized what we thought a running back could be in terms of receiving and and pass catching. Like, I get it. There's been other guys like that before, like Dan Thomas. I mean, there's been tons. But, like, the way that Le'Veon Bell ran with the football, like, where he essentially just kind of stopped at the line of scrimmage and then would let things open up, like, I I hadn't seen a lot of that before. And I think a lot of guys mimic that style a little bit just because. You know, it it did allow you to get six, seven, eight. 7, 8, sometimes, you know, a 20-yard gain just from being patient, letting the hole develop, letting the hole open up. And I think a lot of running backs tried to copy that style because it was conducive to health because now you're not, you know, colliding at full speed right away. You're you're letting things open up a little more uh, to get you to a safer spot. So a lot of running backs started to do that. The issue was, though, is that not everybody had Le'Veon Bell's vision. Like, what made Le'Veon Bell – keep in mind, I mean, he's he's had a fall from grace now in terms of the guy that he was in Pittsburgh compared to the guy that we're reminded of, whether he's in Baltimore, Kansas City, or New York. But the Le'Veon Bell in, in Pittsburgh, he had that vision. That's what made him so good was he was patient, but he had the vision to go with it. Not every running back can do that. In James, Robinson, in James Robinson's, you know, perspective, and also maybe a little bit of Derrick Henry – yeah, they have the vision, but it's more of they don't want to be patient. They want to get a, a full head of steam going, get some momentum built up, and then dish out punishment. So it does come down to vision. And that, to me, is why I think James Robinson, you don't see a lot of tackles in the backfield just because he's always running downhill. But the prerequisite with that is he has the vision to couple that, and now also you got something special with James Robinson.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. We'll see if he can have a big day on Sunday. Everybody expects big days every time Derrick Henry takes the field. I think Stephen has a thought or two on Derrick Henry. Let's get him in here in Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. What's happening, man? Hey,
3: not too much. How are you guys doing today? Doing good, man. Uh,
4: yeah, I wanted to give uh, your guys' opinion because uh, if you go back to the first game last year, which was basically James Robinson. Coming out day because he actually beat Derrick Henry. He was over 100 yards, had a touchdown that game. And for some odd reason, if you go back a couple of years or for the past couple of years, in the first game against the Titans, Derrick Henry only at like he plays us only at like 50 percent because he's never broken 100 yards in the first game of the season. And if the receivers are are out or maybe one of them and this team keeps progressing the way it should, I think we ultimately have a good chance because their defense isn't that good. You can throw the ball on them. And honestly, I think you should just pull uh, the same game plan on the Titans. Establish a hard run with James Robinson and just start going play action just like the Titans on their own self.
1: All right, Stephen, thanks for the call, man. appreciate it. Action Sports Chats on ESPN six ninety nine zero four three six two nine nine zero one. 904 Here's listen, I don't know how good the Titans are Austin But I think we also know that the Jags aren't that good either (laughs) Yeah, no, so anytime somebody says about another team hey, they might not be that good or this isn't that good Or you can do this or that like okay, can you though? Yeah, I mean right now until the Jags slow somebody down in the passing game They can't stop anybody and like, hey, Kansas City can't stop anybody either. But they can also go throw five touchdowns with Patrick Mahomes, and I'll score you. Mm-hmm. Can the Jaguars do that? Well, it, they couldn't the other day. You know, they couldn't last week. Uh, not with the way the defense played in the second half. So uh, it's, I get it. Like, I don't think te- I think Tennessee is not even close to where we thought Tennessee would be a month through the year. I think they got a very fortunate against Seattle uh, to to have a really good second half. And things went right, and they won the game. Hat tip to them; they won the game. Mm-hmm. But I do think Tennessee is not nearly as good as I thought they might be coming into here on Sunday. I also didn't envision the Jaguars being 0-4, though, Austin.
3: No, for sure. I, I didn't see that coming at all. Um, yeah, I mean, if you go back to that Thursday night game, Derrick Henry had 17 carries, Marcus Mariota had six, and then Dion Lewis had three. Uh, the Jaguars did a fantastic job of, of shutting Derrick Henry down for an average of 2.59 yards. So, yeah, if, if, you, if you shut Derrick Henry down, you got a good shot of winning. That's what we saw back in 2019. Can you do that with Joe Collin? I can see that, but I also see an offense now that has, has evolved a little bit. The, the, the goal is still to give Derrick Henry the ball nonstop and use the play action and all of that. But now they have guys like A.J. Brown, who only had one reception. He was still kind of coming up um, back in 2019 when the Jaguars, you know, one Thursday night when it was Gardner Minshew's coming out party and also James Robinson's, you can say, coming out party. Their offense has evolved a little bit where you have to respect it a little more. And Joe Cohen alluded to this today. They can be explosive. And when you say a team can be explosive, yes, obviously Derrick Henry can go 80 and out the gate any time that he wants to. We've seen that before with Jacksonville. But they also have, impending, and and they're going to be healthy. Corey Davis, or I'm sorry, A.J. Brown looks like he's going to be healthy. They also have receivers, though, that can beat you deep as well. They have a, a tight end who is, you know, suitable to beat you as well. So there's other guys out there that can beat you now. I'm not sure if that was the case back in 2019. Like, yeah, Delaney Walker, like, he was good. You know, like, Adam Humphreys, okay. Corey Davis at the time was a roller coaster. One day he had five touchdowns. One day he had zero targets. Like, they were okay, but they're a different team from what we saw back on Thursday night in 2019.
1: Yeah, uh, hey, one other NFL thought for now. Tonight's game, Rams and uh, Seahawks, Ramsey against Metcalf, will we see it, and how good is that?
3: <sighs> I mean, yeah, you know, I'm not sure what the plan's going to be with, with Ramsey because I think is Tyler Lockett playing as well, or is he out? He's playing. All right, he's playing. He playing? I yeah, no so uh, I'm not sure if you – I don't know. I don't know how they're going to play it. Um, in the past, we have seen Jalen Ramsey just cover straight-up cover D.K. Metcalf uh, and do a great job on him. I think with Tyler Lockett in the slot now, uh, you might see Jalen Ramsey go back and forth with him. I think that the Rams are the point, Brent, where with Jalen Ramsey, they keep you guessing. Like, that's where they are on defense right now. I, I want to see the D.K. Metcalf-Jalen Ramsey showdown. I'm just not sure if we see it 100%.
1: Yeah, what's interesting to me about Ramsey this year is all the slot play. Does that surprise you? I mean, we think about an outside corner shutting down half the field. uh, Obviously, he can do it all, and he's doing it well. Is that just the nature of the game in the NFL? Is that a matchup thing? Why is he playing in the slot so much?
3: I just think because it gives them a lot more opportunity to get Jalen Ramsey involved. Um, yeah. You know, if, if you watched any of, of the Rams games this year, like when he's in the slot, that gives you a better opportunity to make plays in the backfield, which he has. So he's helped out in the run game as well. Um, he's helped out with the bubble screens, all this stuff. So when you move him around, um, it's not just you can go, OK, well, if Ramsey's is going to be on DK Metcalf the entire game, we got to go Tyler Lockett lock at the entire game. Right. Because that makes sense. We don't want to throw too much to Jalen Ramsey. Well, that's not the case now. If Jalen Ramsey's all over the place, well, now quarterbacks got to check that out. They, they got to audible out of things. They, they, they got to adjust routes, if you will. And obviously in the run game, it changes things up more. So to me, it's an example of using, well, I don't know, Aaron Donald's pretty good as well, but using one of your best players on defense um, as much as you can, like getting the maximum that you can out of one of your best players, and that's what you're doing right now with Jalen Ramsey out of the slot.
1: Well, one of the most underrated facets of Jalen Ramsey, and I think everybody knows it, just doesn't talk about it as much, is the physical nature of him. I mean, he's really physical uh, at that corner position. And like you said, in the run game, he can be as well. Uh, I just don't see the Jags. Would they have allowed him to do that? I, I don't know. I've really watched closely how the Rams have treated Ramsey compared to how the Jags and all that stuff. Now, Ramsey's a little older, a little bit more mature, but I feel like they really try to prop Ramsey up. They try to feed into the the character and ego that he is and has. And and they've done a good job of that. And some of that might even be going over to the slot. You know, it might just be appeasing. Hey, I want to go in there. I want to play more plays. Well, I'm bored on the outside. And it's almost like they're willing to do that and give him a voice. And this organization, let's be honest, during that, that tumultuous stretch, wasn't.
3: Well, see, to me, it's a testament to the defensive coordinator and the position coach as well. Because I remember when they interviewed Ramsey about it, this, I think this might have even been in the summertime, But he even said like he was hesitant to do that because he's not accustomed to playing there. And obviously at the cornerback position, you, you want to play where you're comfortable, right? It's all about comfort and your mindset. But then he said as soon as he started making plays, as soon as he started getting more involved in the run game and his name was getting called more, well, then, yeah, he was all on board for it. So to me, it was a great job by this Rams coaching staff of even elevating Jalen Ramsey to another echelon and saying, hey, we value you. You're one of the best corners in the league. Now we're going to pay you and go get some more plays.
1: Yeah, uh, Jayla Ramsey, D.K. Metcalf could be really good tonight. We are live at Spring Sports Brewery in Springfield. It's really good. Jaguars all-access, 7 o'clock, Fox 30. Come on out. We'll be here until 6, and then we'll be here at 7 until 7.30. Come on out. Say hello. Uh, we are here all afternoon at Spring Sports Brewery. We'll be right back. in FSU win two in a row? Oh, uh, we'll talk about that on ESPN tonight. Hey,
2: hey. Just like I told the team yesterday, you know, sometimes you have to, have to go through things to be able to get through things. And, uh, you know, we needed to see a game ending on the last play. Uh, where we were able to find success, and you know, the thing that I really, you know, looking back at it, you know, the thing that I appreciated uh, was it took all three phases. Um, you know, defense getting a stop there uh, in a, in a two minute late. You know, offense having a minute to, to have to, to have to go down the field to put them in a posi- put us in a position, and then you know we had to go execute a uh, a field goal on the last play to be able to win it.
1: That is Mike Norvell, and a big win for Florida State last week can they do it again this time at unc and on the road brent martineau here at String sports brewery austin lane back to the action sports shack studios casey kurtz as well we talked some college football uh yesterday and florida state i think that was just a massive win for norvell i think a little bit of it he was barking aloud at the podium uh, the week prior And then he gets that kind of performance, and they held on. They didn't falter down the stretch. They did falter, but they didn't fold. And they get the win, and finally a kick that goes through. Uh, So uh, it has to do wonders for Florida State. Uh, Listen, this isn't going to be this crazy good year under Mike Norvell, but every win seems to have a lot more meaning for Mike Norvell. And quite frankly, Austin, I wasn't sure when they were going to get one.
3: (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, they kind of have a murderer's row coming up here pretty soon. So... Um, It was good to get that one against Syracuse, especially at home in front of your fans. Like, I'm not sure. Casey, you know what the stadium was talking about in terms of the attendance? We're talking half, three quarters, full. It was not full. Not full.
0: From TV viewing. I can get the exact number. But, um, you know, what? You, I mean, it, it is Syracuse, keep in mind. But yeah. it, was, it was definitely not a Notre Dame crowd that they had earlier in the season.
3: At the end of the day, a win's a win. You know, you take what you can get right now, and Florida State needed a win, they got it. So.
1: And the, the crazy thing is the ACC is, like, what, what is going on there, right? So um, UNC is not who we thought they were. Uh, they bounced back last week. I mean, obviously, I don't even know what the spread. What's the spread, Casey? You know, UNC favored by a couple touchdowns?
0: Oh, I I know what the spread is. It is is more than a couple touchdowns. Oh, really? Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute, but uh, the number, if you're curious early, is 17 and a half. Woof. How about that? Uh,
1: All right, let's hit it, Casey. Let's go with the Florida State Report uh, brought to you by Bono's and Willie Jules' Old School Barbecue.
0: So, yeah, as we mentioned, obviously, FSU gets a big win in front of 56,609 people, Austin Lane. That's about 71% of their capacity. Thank you very much. So it's pretty full. Um, not too bad. Uh, but it was a 33-30 to 30 win over Syracuse, a walk-off uh, kick by Ryan Fitzgerald. Shout-out to him. Obviously, they lost to Notre Dame. Uh, I wouldn't say due to him missing a kick, but he did miss a kick. That would have continued that game, so good for him to bounce back. FSU was up as much as 10 in this game. Uh, That was in the third quarter. Obviously, they win by three, but it is what it is. You get a win. Uh, They did what they had to do with Sean Tucker, who is Syracuse's freshman running back, who has been incredible. They held him to 102 yards on 24 carries and zero touchdowns. However, they were keyed in on that, and Garrett Schrader, quarterback for Syracuse, ran for 137 yards and three touchdowns. (laughs) So... You know, given the benefit of the doubt, they were ready for Tucker. They weren't ready necessarily for Schrader, uh, but all's well that ends well. They did stop the pass, um, as ex- not really as expected, but we didn't expect Syracuse to throw it that much. They only passed for 150 yards in the air, but, again, that is not their game. First game all season, Jermaine Johnson did not have a sack. I believe I said that the other day. They only had one sack overall. That was Fabian Lovett, who is another transfer. Their whole entire defensive line is just built on transfers, so – I mean, it's good for now. I don't know how good that is next year when these guys are gone, but it is what it is. The story was obviously Jordan Travis, who passed for 131 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. 131 yards is not a huge number. I get that. But they did. He did what they asked him to do, throw screens, throw short passes. He was extremely effective on the ground. He ran for 113 yards on 19 carries. Um, The running backs in general, which have to get going for FSU to win, Jay Sean Corbin carried it 14 times for 65 yards and a touchdown. Only two carries for Trayshawn Ward. I'm not exactly sure why, but those two carries went for 66 yards. So maybe give them the ball a little more <laughs> um, if you're running for 33-clip. <laughs> yeah. So that is what it is there. But at the end of the day, they won the game, and that is what's important. And now they look forward to North Carolina, who is three and 3-2 on the season, and that is very disappointing for them. They lost week one, obviously, to Virginia Tech, 17-10. to 10. Um, And then they lose to Georgia Tech in what is a surprising turn of events. They lost that game at home, 45-22. Shout out to Jeff Sims, though, by the way. Tore him up uh, on the ground and in the air for Georgia Tech. And uh, Brent Martino, did you or did you not have North Carolina in the Final Four?
1: I did. Yeah. Is well, there still a chance. <laughs> you know, maybe that went over Florida State. will push it over. In what
0: universe are we talking? Okay. But it seems a bit unlikely for you there, Brent, uh, but that is what it is. They have allowed 143.3 yards on the ground per game this season. FSU has to run the football and they have to control the clock. That's pretty much your only opportunity because although they have lost two games, North Carolina still scores 37 points a game. FSU gives up 31. Sam Howell is obviously the story for North Carolina. He has struggled without all the weapons that he lost last year. However, they throw the ball, which is going to be an issue for the FSU secondary. And the main weapon for Howell this year has been Josh Downs. He has 40 catches for 620 yards and 6 touchdowns. So that's going to be Mike Norvell's number one thing to stop this week. And here's Norvell talking about downs earlier this week.
2: Well, I mean, you know, they, they do a great job with them and, and the the opportunities that uh, they they create for them, but also, uh, you know, with the, with the run pass option, you know, they are, a, they are a football team that you have to go into it to stop the run. Um, you know, you have to have that plan because, you know, they've got explosive backs. Um, you know they've got you know a really good scheme that, that challenges uh, you know in both phases, but they create the one-on-one matchup in a lot of different ways. And and Downs is a I mean he's a challenge. I mean great route runner, explosive player. You know you know he had a play last week as you know caught a, caught a uh, you know intermediate uh, intermediate route and you know 60 yards later he's in the end zone. I mean he's, he has that. That game-changing ability, um, you know, very explosive in in all aspects of what he does. I mean, they're going to find a way to get the ball in his hands, and we we have to have 11 hats tracking him because, you know, his ability to make guys miss and, uh, you know, his speed and, and explosiveness definitely show up.
0: So, obviously, they will be focused on that. By the way... I don't know why. It is always raining after FSU practice. This man has not done a press conference yet that it was not raining in the background. So I don't know what the deal is with that, but it is always raining in Tallahassee, apparently. If you're in Tallahassee and listening, please let us know if it rains every day. So here's the deal with this game specifically. Mike Norvell has only won four games as the head coach of FSU. However, his biggest win was over number 5 North Carolina last season, 31-28 in North Carolina. Or, I'm sorry. At home.
1: Yeah, that was at home. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was his biggest win thus far. So he.
1: I don't think Norvell has a road win yet.
0: I believe you would be correct as well. But hey, you know it is what it is. We're, First we're, time for everything. We're not we're not poking fun at him at this point. But uh, still, you've won over North Carolina, a better North Carolina team from last year that was number five in the nation when you beat them. How they did it last year, just as I talked about earlier, Jordan Travis, he ran for 107. LaDamian Webb, who is now at Troy, ran for 109 for FSU in that game. So that's what you got to do. You got to run the ball. You got to control the clock, and you got to control Sam Howell if you can. Brent, you mentioned the spread. I told you it is 17 and a half. I understand that it's FSU. FSU has to be the most confusing team to bet right now um, if you're going to do it. 17 and a half, to me, seems like a lot of points. Um, I know they give up a lot of points, and it could get ugly very fast. But if you run the ball... And control the clock, 17.5 seems like too many points to be giving if you're North Carolina. Uh, Depending on where you bet this game, if you're interested in the money line situation, you can get it for as good as plus 605, which is something if they could pull out just a straight up win the football game. The over-under is 64.5, which seems fair uh, because of all the points North Carolina scores. The question will be, can FSU keep up? Yet to be seen. But that game is on ESPN 690. The kick is at 3.30. Coverage will start at 1.30. And that's the FSU report, sponsored by Bono's Pit Barbecue and Willie Jules Old School Barbecue.
1: Yeah, well done as always, Casey. Uh, You know, what's interesting about Florida State is they did get blown out, I would say, uh, by Wake Forest, who, who, by the way, is undefeated. You know, it's a Wake Forest team that is undefeated. I'm not sitting here trying to say they're really, 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 really good. But Mm -hmm. they got blown out by an undefeated Wake Forest team. uh, And a Wake Forest team, I think, a couple weeks ago that just beat North Carolina. But their other games have been close. So to bring up your 17-and-a-half-point spread, I mean, Florida State has been close. A touchdown away from uh, Louisville. They obviously lost on the last play against Jacksonville State, which is, mm-hmm. and a field goal uh, that they had a chance to tie the game and, and force another OT uh, against Notre Dame. So they, they have played pretty tough, uh, even though they are very flawed. And just to remind folks, too, and sometimes you have to do this this is a Florida – you know, Mike Norvell, he has to really pull these guys. I talk, we talk about the mud around here, Austin. I mean, when you're trying to flip it after 19 losses in a row, well, Mike Norvell's trying to do that from the Willie Taggart era, the late Jimbo Fisher era, and whatever else kind of he's, you know, got himself into it last year and, and into this year. But they are 1-4 overall. The ACC we know is not good. Mm-hmm. Wake Forest is five and zero. NC State's four and one. Clemson, Louisville, three and two. Boston College, Boston College is four and one. Like they're winning games. Syracuse is three and two. Pitt's four and one. Virginia Tech's three and one. North Carolina, Virginia, three and two. Georgia Tech, two and three. Duke, three and two. Even Miami feels like they stink. They're two and three. The least amount of wins in the ACC is Florida State. I mean, that's. That should never happen, man. I mean, it should, how did it get like this is a reminder of of when you look at the standings.
3: Casey, regarding this game this Saturday against North Carolina, the only question I have for you is how versed is North Carolina in stopping the run? Like, can, like I mean, I'm saying is their defensive line suitable to stop Florida State in the trenches or could it be a game where Florida State can control? Because to me that's going to be the deciding factor.
0: They... I did not put the number down, which I should have. But they are not incredible. I mean, it's okay. over hundred yards on the ground every game, so okay. it is doable for Florida State in this situation, um, because obviously the Florida State offensive line has been questionable. Sure. So you need to come out and perform. But this is not North Carolina is not a team that is going to stop make you throw the ball. They okay. you can run the football. Because so I
3: that, to me, if we talk about an upset here, that's the only way you can do It's like you said, control the clock and be able to run the football because you do not want to get into a track meet with Sam Howell and that North Carolina team. So, okay, I to wondering so, that one.
1: But here's what's interesting about that, Austin. I understand what you're saying from a win-loss perspective. But what I have said about Mike Norbello over the last couple of years, he's an offensive guy. They used to score 40-plus at Memphis. I want to see a guy that knows how to score points and his system working and what he's doing on offense no matter if he has the Jimmys and Joes. And so I actually think, like, I think scoring 30 plus points, and even if they lose, like they're not very good. We understand that. But at least getting to 30, like the, the 35 to 14 against Wake Forest, you don't want to be in. 41 38 to Notre Dame, that tells me something. That means just scoring points. Like, I think that's critical. 33 points last week, that's good. Like, Norvell is an offensive guy. Offensive guys should be able to score points with almost, it doesn't matter who they have. Yeah, they have deficiencies. But in this day and age in football, they should be able to score. And so um, it, uh, there's not going to be a lot of wins. And so i think the silver lining in here is if they do score so this is a shootout and they end up putting up 35 plus against unc at least i can see norvell's stuff is he knows what he's doing on that side of the ball and he still has a lot of work to be done but uh, i like that uh, at least as an underlining story throughout this year if they can continue to score
3: i hear you i just think at the same time though what does it say about your offense? We're telling you, you got to run the football. Just run the football every single time. Like, that, that's yeah. what you do better. Um, no, you mean you could have an explosive offense which, with, with a running game. I get that. But I don't think Mike Norbell in that offense is there yet. So, like, w- when we pray for Jordan Travis to come in because he has the, the best chance to win, well, it's not because of Jordan Travis's arm, it's because of his ability to run the football. So, you know, when you run the football, it can take time off the clock, it can slow the game down. And that's kind of a testament right now of where this offense is at with Mike Norvell.
1: Hey, uh, real quick, I got a question for you guys. There's no clear-cut best quarterback in the country, right? We all agree on that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, If you could take a quarterback the rest of the year, from here on out, the rest of the season, uh, to be the best quarterback in in the country, who would it be? Because Sam Howell's disappointed. Spencer Rattler's disappointed. Uh, You had Matt Corral and then nothing last week. Bryce Young has done some good things, but he hasn't been consistently like, wow, right? Uh, The kid from Ohio State hasn't been that good. Um, Who do you you have, if you could take one?
0: So, I... I know this is not what you were looking for. I'm just going to start with that. So if you want to make fun of me, that is fine. But I'm taking Malik Willis from Liberty. Oh, come on, Casey. <laughs> really?
3: really? <laughs> yeah, it's, really, it's, it's the Trey Lance effect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Their schedule is not tough. He is, I don't think he's turned over the ball yet still. Um, That's a
1: little bit of a cop out.
0: Yeah, I knew you'd say that. But he, he's literally <laughs> I mean, going to be in contention for the Heisman if he keeps putting up these numbers.
1: And he should be. He should be. But I mean, he also doesn't play anybody.
3: Yeah, well. So I mean, I get do, the kids. Neither going, Josh well, I mean, Allen, neither to Trey Lance.
1: Uh, that's fine. Are you taking him
3: too, Austin? I mean, yeah. That's that. that was the guy who I was thinking of because consistently. Oh, really? Yeah, for sure. Because consistently okay. right now, like, that, that's the guy that you know is, is producing. Maybe, maybe. Hey, listen.
1: Maybe then you answered the question, because if you got to go there, then you tell the story of everybody else. You don't have confidence in everybody else. You know, and that's pretty well. See, I would I would answer this question and keep my national championship hopes alive with a guy like Rattler. Did he turn the corner last week? And after a rough start, are they going to start to get in a groove? They really haven't played well. And so I think I would buy the stock low right now on Rattler and, and that Oklahoma offense um, to really hit another notch going down the road. I think I would buy Rattler right now. I think he's through the bad part of his season and plays better. Now we'll find out. Uh, got the showdown this week. To play, play
0: in your right game, Brent? I think you can't take Bryce Young. I don't think anybody's taking JT Daniels. So to play in a game you actually wanted me to play, Desmond Ridd- Ritter from oh, uh, yeah, Cincinnati. That's, a, that's a good one. one.
1: Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, very good. But uh, I just
0: don't think it's – I think it says something that the two best teams in the country, neither of us immediately said Bryce Young or JT Daniels.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And, and Young would be probably a bad bet. Um, See, to, to, and, but, to me, Young's
3: up there, though. He he's is. up there.
1: I think he is. I, th- I think people would take Young. Um, Here's why I I thought about JT Daniels, because I think their defense is going to put them in such good shape, he won't have to do that much. And so he could look really good in some of these, like, easy games. And then he just has to do an adequate job in the other games. So I think he's not a bad play. But the problem with JT right now is, is he healthy? You know, mm-hmm. where's he, is he going to be healthy? He takes one more hit, will even last a year. So I uh, think that's a concern. By the way, Astros just scored to go up one to nothing over the White Sox early in that game. We've got some afternoon baseball. We're going to take a break. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We're live from String Sports. More to come, including football at 5. Brett buys a beer. Who's it going to be for? That'll be coming up in just a bit on ESPN 690. it it was it was a the guys executed it well first half they they did a great job they did a great job you know we we, we always want to start the game with a kill and a kill is three drives in a row without a score not necessarily three three and outs but without a score we had four usually in those situations you win the game and our offense was rolling doing a great job but we got it we got to play four full quarters yeah, finish will be the key, right? Every, every football team talks about it, especially those that don't win. Uh, Jaguars really struggled in the third quarter coming out of the gates. I mean, they've got to be better there. So uh, Jags have to find a recipe to win. We only have a couple minutes here, and uh, let's make sure we highlight weekly as we do our committed to the uncommitted. This is a segment we do on the Blitz Scoreboard Show, really having fun with it. It's been very cool to highlight some of the kids that have been overlooked in the recruiting game. And our latest installment uh, last Friday night was Dylan Stubbs. Linebacker Oakleaf High School is uh, committed to the uncommitted, presented by Baker Sports. And uh, Dylan Stubbs is this week's committed to the uncommitted. This is a guy that's going to be able to play that nickel, at star position, they say, the linebacker position. He will play uh, at the next level. And hard-nosed Frank Garris talked all about him from Oakleaf last week on the show. Don't forget to uh, join the Blitz Scoreboard Show tomorrow night, 9 p.m., until 10 p.m. Usually we'll go until 10.30. I think tomorrow night we cut it a little bit short, but usually 9 p.m. until 10.30, and then right into the Friday Night Blitz on TV on Fox 30 and 11.20 on CBS 47 and Fox 30. But it's it's a new show over the last couple years. If you like high school football, we really have a blast. Uh, Kevin Sullivan's a part of it, and uh, we think you'll like it. We show you live games coming in from around here in the finishes and then have coaches uh, call in reaction scores and analysis from our Hall of Fame coach, Kevin Sullivan. Committed to the uncommitted, Dylan Stubbs uh, and he'll be here tonight by the uh, will he be here tonight? No, no, he won't be here tonight. We'll have some of our players of the week that will be here tonight. Sorry, at Jaguars All Access. Hey, I have so much going on. I can't remember which high school kids are coming over. We have a coach of the week and a player of the week that will come by now uh, Jaguars All Access here on Thursdays and that's on the TV side of things. But committed to the uncommitted, Dylan stubs linebacker oakleaf high school presented by baker sports baker sports homegrown and ready to help the home team look good on friday nights and every night in any sport baker sports has been doing that since 1997 your team experts offer the top brands like under armor and adidas screen print embroidery and trophies all done in house right here in jacksonville baker sports get you ready for your big game looking good so you can play good play ball with your team experts at baker sports baker sports are the best uh, we appreciate all they did for our dream 18 golf tournament uh, as well uh, I'll give you a little advice. You're doing a golf tournament or an event? We did this where we opened a store online. Casey, did you make your order? You bet. Yeah, see that? You could order from several items for our Dream 18 Golf Tournament. Everybody that was registered for the golf tournament got to pick their item the sti- size, and whether it was a polo shirt, a T-shirt, or a sweatshirt, or a quarter zip. And that was the way to go. So that's just a helpful hint. If you're putting on a golf tournament, give Baker Sports a call. They might be uh, able to help you out in that regard. It really worked for our Dream 18 this year. And we'll probably do it again in 2022. Football at 5 coming up. String Sports Brewery. Brent Martin, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz. Let's get back some football, Jaguars, uh, and around the NFL. And we have to make our wagers for Thursday Night Football, which is a fantastic game, at least on paper. We'll be right back.